and good morning. Good morning, and at this time we would like to dismiss our Discovery kids for their time of being together in the back. They're never too far away. They hear what we say, and we can sometimes hear what they say, and that's good. So uh, we're glad that they're just uh, in the back uh, with us. You'll find also spread around uh, the prayer pads. There are usually uh, two in the chairs, two on the benches, one over on the table. Just uh, be sure that they get spread around, use them, and pass them around. Uh, you can start that right now. And we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to share a prayer request, a prayer need, or a praise that we can be able to uh, lift each other up throughout the week. There's also one over on the table that if you're not able to uh, get one while uh, worship is happening, you can always fill it out afterwards. Our scripture passage for this morning is found in Matthew. Matthew 22, starting at verse 37. And as I read about four verses, I invite you to join with me by standing either in your heart or physically before God in honor of his word. As we hear these words from the book that we love. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God's very word. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. When we lived in the land of 10,000 lakes, there was this activity that became an art form, and each community seemed to have their own contest. I'm talking about rock skipping. Any champion rock skippers? You all know what it is, right? You find a rock about yay long that's flat, and you go to one of the 10,000 lakes, and you throw a kind of sidearm, and you see how many skips you can get. And the competition is see who can get the most skips before the rock stops and sinks. If we had a rock skipping contest, I'm not trying to embarrass him, but I would put my money on Jacob Barnaby. I just think he would be the one who would beat us all. Not a bad picture, rack skipping, about what life is like for so many, unfortunately. And not the picture of what the Christian life is like. Moving so fast that you just skip along on the surface of life, not get too deep. Not get too deep, especially in relationships. Keep conversation light. Don't allow yourself to get personal. Don't allow yourself to get real with others. I'm not talking about everyone, but at least with some. It's easy to do to skip along because people generally like us. We're friendly or we're funny or we're polite. Meanwhile, they are completely unawares of the important things that are going on, like struggles and worries 
and failures. For the last bunch of weeks, we've been looking at the second part of our vision of follow intentionally. Moving beyond the skips of life to what really makes the Church of Jesus unique, and that is love. For we are not only to follow intentionally, we are to follow intentionally together. And as I talk about what it means to follow intentionally together, some of you probably think, okay, I get it. I just need to hang out a little bit more. But it's more than that. It is having an intentional shift. Not just how I view life, but how I view relationships. Am I willing to follow intentionally with others on my side? Followers of Jesus are to make that shift, to view from a rock-skipping approach of life to a deeper community. Our Savior Jesus said these words, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you know enough, no. If you love one another. Love is deeper than customer service, which we reflected on last. And love is more than just touching with a skip. Following. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What about this thing that we call discipleship, which is another phrase for following Jesus? Well, I've been giving a definition, and it's not my definition, but it's a good definition. It comes from Jesus himself. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. This is what it means to follow intentionally. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Three parts. Follow me. A disciple is one who intentionally decides to follow Jesus because we know who he is and we know what he has done for us. Choose to follow. Then he says, secondly, and I will make you. A disciple is one who is willing to be changed, who is open to allow God to change us from the inside out. For when we learn more and more and experience more and more the costly grace of Jesus and what he did to bring about new life, who wouldn't desire to be changed by him? Then thirdly, to be fishers of people. A disciple is someone who tells their story to get real with others, encouraging them that they can get real with you and real with Jesus too. And Jesus implied that his disciples were not only to carry out his message, that they were to carry out his method, his method of getting real with people. If we truly want to live out the teachings of Jesus, we must also follow the model of Jesus. That's a bit of what we mean by to follow intentionally, taking that definition. And then to look for a little bit at the approach that Jesus used. We often are more comfortable with a one-on-one -on -one approach about reading the Bible on our own or praying on our own, 
spending what we commonly call a quiet time with God. We often fail to pick up that he calls us to do even more than that, to have a shift in our view of relationships so that we go through this journey with others. When Jesus was asked what were the most important commands, which was a regular discussion of teachers in his day, in calculating the 613 different commands that are found in the first five books of the Old Testament that are commonly called the Torah, he came up with this answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The first and the greatest commandment and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, everything written in the Old Testament is based on relationship. Relationship with God and living that out in our relationship with others. A cross-shaped life. God and others. For this is how God designed humanity. He hardwired us for relationships. Love and relationships are good for us, not just emotionally, but spiritually. And God uses relationships in a different way in our discipleship process than simply spending one-on-one -on -one time with God, which is important. When we do this in our journey, he responds to us, a bit differently. If we want to live out the teachings of Jesus, we must follow the model of Jesus. If you're following along in the outline, we're coming to the part where people start to think about this is a risky thing to do. This is a risky step to take. People have real fears about really opening up with others and allowing them to come in and to be part of their faith journey. It's easier to simply skip and touch rather than grow deeper. Some people are afraid of doing that because they've been burned before. They've been burned by people that they allow to get close to them that they've opened up their heart to. And they will often say, you know, I need to go by that Bible verse. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Oh, hold, hold it. That's not a Bible verse, is it? Maybe we need to think about the Bible verse. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. It's risky because we've been burned. It's also risky and people have fears about being real and moving beyond the surface and doing more than skipping because if people saw our real flaws, our real challenges, our real fears, it would cast a shadow on the image that I want to portray. You see, many of us here, many of us here are so willing to help and care for others. I know 
that at a moment's notice, most of us would drop what we're doing if we got that call to go and help. I know it. I've seen it. I've heard it. We've talked about it. And then the hard part comes, right? When it's time for us to do the same. When we need someone to come alongside to do the same for us. Part of the fear is it might change a bit of the image that I want to portray that I can handle it all on my own. Allowing people to see our limp as we go through life, as we try our best to love and serve God and love and serve others, that's the realness that allows our love with God to grow deeper as we experience that love with others. Real love. Like in 1 Corinthians that we looked at last Sunday, requires risk. When we have been burned by others, it can be scary to try to trust someone again. But the point of the 1 Corinthians passage on love describes love as something that gives grace again and again. True love keeps forgiving. True love keeps fighting for someone. True love perseveres. Jesus, was anyone ever let down more often by those who are close to them than Jesus? Those blockheads, time and again they disappointed him. And what did Jesus do? He kept loving them again and again regardless. He did not shy away. Entrusting someone with a hunting license to go into our soul is risky business. And it will lead to hurt sometimes because we live in a broken world and people will hurt us sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. But love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, true, there are some people who are just untrustworthy. God reveals that to us. But most people in our network are trustworthy. And when we hit that first speed bump of disappointment, we turn to Jesus, the one who persevered himself to help us to persevere with others. Being someone who simply skips along the surface of life like a stone skipping on the top of water is someone who lives, I heard it called, in disguised isolation. Someone who really is the life of the party. But he is afraid that if people really got to know him, the truth, they would disown him and move away. But you know what? Someone truly does know us. Someone sees our inside, no, what, no matter what portrayal we give on the outside, and he offered himself up for us so we could find true forgiveness, true fulfillment, and eternal joy.
And so he has empowered his community to so practice. Now you might begin to say, how can I even experience part of this realness of life with others? How do I go about that? How can I experience a, a realness that God can use to help draw me closer to him and closer to others? Well, if you were here two weeks ago, we shared our stories in small groups. For those of you who were here two years ago and you were in a small group and people were sharing their stories, if you were there, didn't you feel you got a bit closer with those in your group who were opening up their heart, sharing a bit of who they were, how God was received into that situation in their life, and how now they're just a little bit different? Didn't someone's story inspire you? I'll tell you, if you tell your story, not just a big grand story, but if you tell part of your story, it will move you deeper towards a relationship with others. They might turn away, but you might be surprised and find that they turn towards you. I shared three pegs, and I'm going to share them again. Inside your worship folder, uh, the outline for today's talk is a little bit longer, but if you have that talk, uh, that outline, on the bottom half, it shows those three pegs, those three words. I'm just going to go through them again. In sharing your story or a part of your story, you first remember. You remember how it was before. You remember what it was leading into this, this experience. How I was before. You think about whatever event that was, whatever situation that was, and you can think of two or three words or phrases where you could say, I remember what life was like or where I was at that time. And it's not about I was really messed up. I was this drug dealer strung out. It's not about how bad you had to be, but simply what was going on in your life? when something happened. And it might be dramatic, but it doesn't have to be. I remember, let me tell you about before this event happened and how it happened. And then secondly, you receive in your heart, you receive Jesus into that situation. You ask him to come, you surrender yourself in that situation to him, and you opened up that part of your life to him. Maybe another word that would be helpful is because. Because I presented this to Jesus. And it talks about what happened. I remember this situation. I invited Jesus in, and I presented it to him. My heart is open. And now... I'm confessing, I'm telling you the result that has happened because he has entered and he has changed this openness. Another word that might be helpful is the word so. 
So now, this. I am confessing the difference that Jesus made in my life. And it doesn't mean that I became perfect, far from that, but maybe he drew me closer to him or he drew me closer to others. And then Tony shared this follow-up question. After you tell your 60-second story of remember, receive, and confess, have you experienced anything like this in your life? Is anything like this happen to you. We were at three and a half years in our first cancer journey, and we had passed the three-year mark, which our doctors were telling us was the most pivotal mark in the journey. After three years, the chance of cancer reoccurring falls off a cliff. And after three and a half years, I got headaches, I got dizzy, and for the second time in three and a half years, I had a doctor sit down on a stool and look at me in the eye and say, you have a tumor. And so began the journey once again, the journey of opening up our hearts and receiving the grace and the goodness of God, leading us to a wonderful medical team to remove the cancer, remove the tumor and set us on a good path and in that journey as we opened up while we were in the hospital God gave us his peace and his care and so now a couple of months afterwards God has been good to us I am physically weaker I cannot mow my own yard I need help. But God is good. He provides people. Emotionally, we're doing quite well. Though there, are, though there are days we are overwhelmed. And we cry and we hug. And in those days, God's grace and presence and care is ever more real to us. It doesn't mean that we have a perfect peace, but as we go through that day with an unsettled feeling, it is more settled, and we feel his presence and his care. And it's amazing the things on those days that God sends a person, a note, a phone call, and it always happens. Have you had something like that happen to you? So that's my 90-second story. Yeah, I couldn't get it down to 60 seconds. I had to use 90. I find, I find that if I tell my story in 60 to 90 seconds, the response rate back is about 50%. 50% of the people will say, yeah, I've had something like that. And the other 50% will go back to skipping rocks, making the situation lighter, going on to another subject, not wanting to get real. Okay? I think 50% is pretty good. It happens if I keep it to 60 to 90 seconds. If I go on for five minutes, 
the response rate back is 10%. It is too overwhelming. 80 to 90% just can't handle five minutes worth of that. But they can handle 60 seconds. And when I ask that question now, have you had anything like this happen to you? It gives them the opportunity to share a story and to share some realness for us to bond and also for us and for me to direct the conversation up as well. Now you might think that is asking too much. God would not ask me to do that. That is far beyond what I should be asked to do. If you think so, let me remind you that the perfect Son of God shared his struggles. He didn't share his sins because he had no sin, but he shared his struggles with those who were closest to him. Remember when he asked those who were close to him to stay close, to stay awake, and to pray with him? Because he was struggling beyond what he felt he could handle. And he confided his soul and was overwhelmed with sorrow. And he opened up and he wanted support. And we know how that story went. His human followers disappointed him. Big time. But his father did not. Jesus was faithful. He went to the cross. He experienced hell for us on the cross, dying for our sin, rescuing us from sin and death when we open up our heart to him and receive Jesus in as our forgiver and as our leader. And then his father raised him from the dead so he can make this offer of new life for whoever would come to him. The Christian life is a life where we are real. It's a life where we struggle. And it is designed to be a life where we open up our struggle with others. It means that we take the risk to be real so others can love and support us that we can love and support others. And if we feel that being real with our needs is beneath us, remember that Jesus set the norm. That is how he lived. And he did it for us. And so he calls to us, follow me, make a decision, and I will make you, allow him to change you, Fishers of people, tell others your story and let them be real. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father God, how we love you for who you are and what you have done. We thank you, Father God, that in your great love you sent Jesus into this world. Thank you that he was willing to endure struggles Endure pain, endure heartache because of the love you, Father, Spirit, Son, had for us. 
Help us to respond to you with our love, with our open heart. And give us courage to be able to share with others the difference that you have made in us. Father God, we lift up those who are close to us, and we know that they are uh, not as close with you as, as they can be, and we lift them silently in our heart to you. We pray, Lord, that you would so work in their heart and lives so that they would know more and more of your great love and not be scared and not treat you like a skipping rock but would want to grow deeper. Help us, Father God, as your community to grow deeper. We continue to pray for Pam and David and Joe. Father God, we pray that you will be with them and the adjustments they have and all moving to new homes. Give them grace and strength and help us, Father, to do all that we can to care and to minister to them. We rejoice with the Morosics in uh, the new job that Cindy ha that Sydney has. Thank you for her desire to serve others in the nursing profession. We pray, Lord, that you will bless her as she transitions from student to nurse. We pray, Lord, for our teachers as we begin our new school year. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them perseverance as they work with some new students and some ones that they have known for, for a few years. We pray, Father God, for students, for parents, for administrators. We pray, Lord, that this would be a good year where our students would draw closer to you and closer to others as they open their heart. We give you thanks that Luke received a teaching position out in the Minneapolis area. Bless him as he begins as a teacher there. Give him strength and insight and courage. We pray for uh, Sid and Sharon's family, that you will give them grace and care as Sid's dad continues his health battle. We pray, Lord, that you will give continued guidance and care for them as they move forward in treatment and that they can experience your presence and your peace in the midst of even those difficult days. We pray, Lord, for those in our community, those in our fellowship who need extra care. We pray, Lord, that you will provide for them, you will touch them, that they can know that they stand in your presence at all times. Thank you for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.